Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Graham, and today we have on our show... Francoise Mamacita Souverville, who um, is a midwife. And I love recording these kinds of conversations because as someone that wants to be a midwife herself, um, it's just really cool to hear other midwives' um, personal stories. So this was a really fun conversation. With five children of her own, Francoise Mamacita Souverville, a certified childbirth educator since 1982, began practicing midwifery in 1972, has assisted more than 2,000 births in hospital, home, and nature, and created Preparation for Men as a means to transform the attitude of birth in the family. After playing a decisive role in the establishment of a maternity clinic in southern Arkansas in the early 1980s, Mamacita organized workshops and conferences toward establishing midwifery legislation in Arkansas and subsequently worked with Arkansas Department of Health in forming their rules and regulations. Having been published in two books, Special Delivery by Rahima Baldwin and The VBAC Experience by Lynn Baptiste Richards, Francoise has spent her life sharing her knowledge, taking on apprentices, training midwives in the U.S. and Europe, and confirming the tremendous benefits of water birth as established in Igor Tcharkovsky's research on water babies. And I will link to um, those two books in the show notes and any relevant links so you can learn more about Francoise and her really important work. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Francoise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm just totally excited about this. Oh, and I've never, I've never, never done a podcast before, so <laughs> this is my first. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Yay! That, that's really exciting to hear. Um, so wherever you would like to begin your story is great. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, I had, I've had five children. Uh, the first two were in 72 and 75, three years apart. And then my last three was when I was a full-time midwife. And uh, they came, uh, three of them, in two and a half years. That means every 14 months mm-hmm. I had... Uh, a baby and I I uh, it wasn't planned at all <laughs> the first <laughs> one was planned because he was actually uh, artificially inseminated mm. and that is a story in itself 
because at that time, I, like I said, I was a very popular midwife in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and this was in the early 80s. And um, I, the doctor, I, I did a lot of uh, communication with doctors. I had a wonderful backup doctor, a woman doctor, and um, she always, anything I ever needed, she was always right there for me. Uh, but the other doctors in the area really uh, didn't like me <laughs> because I really favored water births and they don't like water births because with water births you hardly ever have any problems and so you hardly ever bring anybody to the hospital mm -hmm. and they didn't like that so I, I, I had many uh, newspaper articles and things that I you know ranted about <laughs> with the medical profession and so they didn't like me. So what I was trying to do was do, uh, I, my husband was infertile and we had been trying for four years. So we decided to do our own fertilization. Mm. Uh, and uh, my husband actually built a contraption uh, where, you know, it, a tube went inside my cervix and we actually got somebody else's sperm and he did it. My husband did it, uh -huh. but it was somebody else's sperm. <laughs> so that's how we did it. I wanted to prove to the doctors that you could do this at home without having to pay $2,000 in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it worked. I, um, I got pregnant December 16th. And uh, he came uh, September 2nd. So uh, at that point, at that year, I happened to have done 83 births. Wow. So you can imagine, yeah. you know, I never stopped. I just never stopped. Mm -hmm. And I always had apprentices because I was also teaching midwives and had... Um, I, I was doing all kinds of things. Uh, I was editing a newsletter for the Midwives Arkansas. Uh, wait, what was it? AAM Arkansas Association of Midwives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was uh, doing workshops. Uh, and so I was very, very busy. Yeah. So when he, when he came, I was... Uh, when I went into labor, I was at a birth, and uh, this was a woman who was 18 years old, first baby, and she was a softball player, uh, professional softball player, well, professional, at 18, you know, just out of high school. And uh, so being that her muscles, she was just really muscular, you know, just real uh and so what happened was her, it was just, her cervix took forever to dilate. And uh, I forget how long the labor was, probably two or three days. And um, I had to actually go in. She had a, an anterior lip mm -hmm. and I had to actually go in and massage the anterior lip um, to help her at the end there because it was just taking forever and she was getting distraught I normally 
don't now, nowadays, I never, ever do internals. I never go inside because I don't believe that the baby, I think that damages the baby. And, but this was way back then when I was, you know, what I thought <laughs> was <laughs> the thing to do. <laughs> and uh, so I went and, and anyway, we finally had the baby. I'll never forget it at uh, one o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was having contractions along with her. Oh, wow. And uh, we, w- I would get together against her body and we were both contracting. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that, but I just thought that was that we were supporting each other. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, that was the uh, thing to do. That's what felt, that's what felt yeah, good. That's what <laughs> felt right. And so uh, that baby, and of course I had an apprentice with me. Mm-hmm. I always had apprentices, several of them. And she was there. And so she helped me out because I was having contractions the whole time. And after that baby came, it was okay. We had to wait a while for the placenta. But uh, having said all that, we finally got home. I got in the car and I couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. So <laughs> she, we got through about 3.30, 4 a.m. And... Uh, I couldn't drive home. So she got in and drove me home. And, uh, and I told her, you, look, just go, you go home, go take a shower, and then you can come back. You know, because of course she won't, she was going to be there for my birth too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I walked in and attempted to take a shower because it, in September it was very, very hot. And I had been at this woman's house for two days and I was hot and sweaty and I'll never forget, I had blood in my fingernails, you know, because I had washed my hands, but mm-hmm. you know, how you still have caked blood in your fingernails. Mm-hmm. And that was just driving me nuts. I did not want to have my baby with another woman's blood on my fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's funny. I mean, that comes back to my brain. Um, so I went to the bathroom to attempt to take a shower. And I couldn't, I couldn't even stand up to take a shower. Mm-hmm. So uh, I got on my hands, I got on, I, I got, I, I squatted and mm-hmm. put my back against the wall and attempted to uh, check myself. And I was about eight centimeters dilated and the head was maybe, I don't know, plus, plus two station (laughs) and so I panicked (laughs) and said wait I can't do anything so I got on my hands and knees crawled back bed woke up my husband woke up everybody told them to get all the also with this birth I was going to have a photographer a professional photographer which was one of my apprentices husband okay he just happened and so uh I knew him well and uh, uh, I told everybody just to call and get everybody together. And uh, I began my uh, active labor and mm-hmm. uh, just kind of zoned out. Now, I am the kind of woman that is not connected with, uh, 
with uh, myself, my body, once the baby comes out. Mm -hmm. And I I have now I can say that some women can be present and very active with their own delivery and some can't. And I'm one of those. I just kind of go out of my body. Mm -hmm. And this happened to be my biggest baby too, eight pounds, 12 ounces. Mm. So it was, it was quite hard for me. Why don't you call Mm -hmm. Desiree and see what she wanted? Um, And uh, it was hard. It was, it was my hardest birth. Mm-hmm. It was very, very hard because I was dead tired for one thing, yes, having been up and working mm-hmm. at a birth and right. not having eaten or drank, uh, drunk what I needed. Mm-hmm. I remember the day before all I had was a bunch of cantaloupes from the garden <laughs> and a chocolate shake. That was all I had the day before. <laughs> so you can imagine. I can totally uh, imagine. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I have, I have really good pictures of that birth. And one of those pictures, when he takes his first breath coming out of me, is in a book called The V-Back Experience, written by, um, uh, I can't remember her name right now, but uh, it's a picture of him coming out and taking his first breath because it's a phenomenal picture. I was on my hands and knees, mm-hmm. so he was facing up, uh-huh. and he his arms are way are just stretched out, and he's taking his first breath. Aww. You can see his eyes are totally dilated, and that picture. I always told him, "You were a celebrity before you even came out of me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great so and it it was rough I almost passed out because Mm -hmm. I had um low blood sugar really really bad yeah my uh my ankles were really swollen and I was just you know phasing in and out and of all the people there that had made it there was all my apprentices and the midwife that I had chosen was a, eh, she was an amateur midwife mm-hmm. and uh, not, not had done many, many births. And uh, she could have handled it differently. Um, I was on my hands and knees and he came out to his mouth and stopped. And so he just got bluer and bluer and bluer and bluer. And she just kept telling me, bear down, bear down. And I couldn't. I didn't have the energy. Well, if it had been me, I would have told somebody, lift this woman up, you know, get her straight up and down. Mm -hmm. But she didn't think that. And in the end, that's why we have the marvelous pictures. (laughs) Because I was (laughs) on my hands and knees. (laughs) But in the end... He did, he did come out and she kind of pulled him out and, and in the end he was okay. Um, but that was his story. And then, uh, something I, I like to share with people is the postpartum period really depends on how you take care of yourself before you have the baby. Absolutely. Because what happened to me since I was totally depleted and had worked constantly, that first week I was in bed and couldn't even move. I had fever. 
my breasts got so big mm-hmm. that I couldn't, I couldn't even support them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my um, uh, apprentices and very good friend of mine, she was coming over every day and she, there was no bra that could fit me. So she ended up tearing up an old sheet into strips okay. and made this, uh, these strips, crossed the strips underneath my breast and tied them, you know, into my back somehow to support them. It was horrible. I, whenever I got up to pee, I had to have support. I couldn't walk. And uh, with fever, I'll never forget it for a solid week. And I know that that was because I, I was so depleted. So, uh, so that was that. And yeah. then, then we, uh, I, I went on and, you know, I forget how long it took me to get back on my feet and actually do mm-hmm. births again. But, uh, was there, continued- a, was there quite a, quite a longer, just from your, from that postpartum experience, was there a longer period, if you recall, of waiting until you went back to work? Um, there must have been. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. Yeah. But there must have been. Yes. You know, I, I'm sure I must have gone at least four weeks, six mm-hmm. weeks, maybe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had so much help. You know, like oh, I said, true. I had I had several apprentices and. You know, they were they were taking care of the births that were happening. And mm-hmm. uh, so I then I went on my way and um, I we were we still he was supposed to be my girl. And I had <laughs> planned I had and I say that because, like I said, we tried for four years and I had gone as far as hiring an astrologer to. Um, to tell me when the stars and the moon and all that were right to conceive a girl. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I had done everything. I had done uh, vinegar douches to kill the, the male sperms. Uh, <laughs> you know, all, everything that I had heard of to help right. it make a girl. Mm-hmm. And I did it right on the everything coincided I did everything perfect when I conceived okay mm-hmm. yes. and he he was a boy yes and, and was- I already had two boys <laughs> so this was my third boy uh-huh. and uh, I was very disappointed Aww. but uh we you know since my husband was infertile we we just kind of gave up you know after that mm-hmm. but lo and behold I got pregnant again, hmm. uh, probably just two months later. Oh, wow. And I, oh, and I never got it. Here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Through these three births, I never had a period. Wow. I did not have a period for five years. Oh, wow. I had three babies in two and a half years uh-huh. and no period for five years. Uh-huh. Okay? So there was no way I could tell that I was pregnant. There right. was no, no, yeah. So, uh, consequently, my only girl, because I had another boy after her, uh-huh. my only girl who came next, I didn't know I was pregnant till I was 22 weeks along. Oh, wow. 
And uh, that still breaks my heart to this day because Mm -hmm. she is my only girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason being is because I was kind of big, you know, and nursing uh, my third boy there all the time. You know, I was completely nursing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just never. And because we figured he was infertile. So, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And uh, it was the furthest thing from my mind. Mm-hmm. And when I was 22 weeks, it was in July, and I was at a midwife conference, and I felt her kicking. Oh, wow. And, and I knew. I knew it was kick, kicking and not gas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I immediately got up from the conference, grabbed the midwife, and said, you need to check me. I think I'm pregnant and this is a shock, you know? And so right there and then she checked me and sure enough, she said, yeah, you're about 20 weeks along, five months pregnant. So I knew that moment, as soon as she told me, I knew it was my girl. I just knew it. Yeah. And consequently I was, I could only acknowledge her presence um six seven eight nine three months Mm -hmm. you know I only I only knew of her for three months Mm -hmm. and uh I I've written a book about my life and mostly my children and uh I really believe that she she grew up to be a singer songwriter and many, many of her songs were about uh, not getting love, not accepting love, um, being, you know, and I really believe it was, it stems from that because not only did I not love her from, from the time she was conceived, mm-hmm. but I didn't even acknowledge her mm-hmm. until she was five months along. Mm-hmm. So that plays a big, big part in how in the how children grow up and uh, and their character and and who they are is mm-hmm. how the woman thinks when you're there in the womb. Absolutely. Okay? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That completely makes sense. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and she's proof of that. She she's still she's thirty eight years old this year and she still has problems with that and she knows it I mean we've we've talked about it and stuff but now her story (laughs) is just as interesting really quickly Um, I was curious would you mind sharing um the book that you wrote on your life oh Um, it's not published oh it's not no it's not published oh okay no no okay it's just still in transcript form I haven't found a, a way to publish it yet okay well I look but, forward um, to when that when that does oh, get yeah. published <laughs> oh yeah oh indie birth will be the first to find out I'm sure <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you. um so um then when I went into labor with her I was teaching a class on breathing and relaxation mm-hmm. and because I was also teaching classes to pregnant people and midwives, and uh, it was uh, breathing and relaxation, and I was having real contractions. So we were we were learning 
with my contractions <laughs> in the class. <laughs> and that was really interesting. And uh, then right after the class, I had my one of my apprentices with me because they followed me everywhere I went. And uh, I said, hey, you know, you need to check me because I really think I'm quite far along here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she checked me and I was seven centimeters dilated <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was 30 minutes away from my home. I lived out in the country. Mm-hmm. And so I called my husband and he came and, uh, my, my son was there that I was still nursing mm-hmm. and, you know, it was not, it was evening time. So he was ready to go to bed. And mm-hmm. so all he wanted to do was nurse. And uh, I couldn't. We got in the back seat of the car. I laid down in the back seat of the car, and um, all I did was nurse him. And I got to experience what it's like being in labor and nursing. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> that was very intense. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, I got telling him uh, he was what. I was talking to him and telling him because he was like looking at me real weird. And I was saying, well, you know, mama, mama's having another baby. Mama's having your baby sister, mm-hmm. you know, and I kept telling him that. <laughs> and uh, we got home. And uh, once again, uh, right before I entered the door in my house, I, uh, I checked myself. I squatted and checked myself and I had my bloody show. Mm-hmm. And I usually have a bloody show when I'm 10 centimeters. Okay. So, <laughs> so I squatted and I didn't even make, you know, I didn't even bother to check. I just saw the bloody show and I went, Oh, great. So <laughs> I went inside and it was the same ordeal again. Everybody rush, 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 call the photographer with, with her. We were going to have it videoed. Mm-hmm. And so call the video person, call the photographer, you know, hey, and, and everybody rushed and rushed and rushed. And it was winter time and uh, November 29th. And this was a house that was heated by wood heat. So my husband, you know, stoked up the wood stove and everything went really, really fast. She was born two hours later. So all that stuff happened within two hours. And uh, (laughs) it was amazing. And I had told my midwife, uh, I said, because this one, I really wanted to put my hand on her head when she came out. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest wish. Mm-hmm. Because I, like I told you, I usually lose, you know, leave my body when that happens. Right. And uh, so I had told her, I said, no matter what happens, you grab my hand and put it on the head as the head is coming out. Mm-hmm. And she did do that. And then I, I had my hand on her head as she was coming out. And then my husband caught her underneath. And I know that I had my hand on there only because I see it on the video, Mm -hmm. not because it registered in my brain. Okay. So (laughs) that's how come I knew again that my brain just can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I cannot be conscious. And then that's when I learned that, you know, some women are going to be like that. 
Right. You can't expect all women to be conscious, no matter what you do. Have you so, ever, in so. your experience, just of witnessing women um, at, during that particular time, have you ever seen women kind of in this in-between phase of just like part of them is there, but then part of them is, I guess, out in the stars and out of their body? Yes. 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 That's yeah. usually that's usually what happens. Right. You either have a woman who's completely conscious, mm-hmm. who's talking, who's mm-hmm. taking care of everybody in the room. And delivering <laughs> her own baby. <laughs> you have those. Which yes. The driver, I'm in a car right now, and my driver, she's like that. Okay. Uh, when she has her babies. <laughs> and, then, um, and then you have the ones that come in and come out, you know. They, right. they, they just kind of go out while the contraction is coming. And then when the contraction stops, their their eyes get really really big and they and they're just right there you know mm-hmm. uh there's an old old statue ah i can't think now but um um uh, may gaskin she uh really uh, uh she she's the one that introduced me to this sheena gig do you know what sheena gig yes, i do are? i do okay. yes okay. i do mm-hmm. All right, so that is the statue where the woman's eyes are wide, wide open, the mouth is wide open, and the baby's coming. Well, that look, that look is the, I mean, I don't know what to call it, but it's that look. When women are like that, they're really out in between. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're like in between here and somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But yes, and then you have those who are like me who completely check out, you know, mm-hmm. and they're 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 letting their bodies do what it's doing, but in their they're not conscious in their brain. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so she came out beautifully, eight pounds, eight ounces. Each one of them were four ounces less. Eight twelve, eight eight, and my last one was eight four. Mm-hmm. and they were my biggest babies my first two babies were seven and six pounds okay. so uh yeah she came out and uh it was just beautiful she never even cried mm-hmm. she just came out and looked at us and then went to sleep <laughs> and, <laughs> and I knew she was my girl you know mm-hmm. so that was just beautiful Aww. and um then my my other my other son he was still nursing of course mm-hmm. so he was a little jealous <laughs> uh, but he he was there he was there through the whole thing of course oh, wow. his brother who was seven years old was holding him okay. and t- and telling him he was telling him look the head's coming the head's coming oh. you know and he he was like coaching him the whole way as Mm -hmm. she came out to try and get him to be conscious. But I think it took him about uh, two hours. He went into the herbal bath with me, but he wouldn't touch her. Mm. He just was like staying away from her, you know, like crouching away. (laughs) And then after about two hours, I kept telling him, give her a kiss, give her a kiss. (laughs) And after about two hours, he kissed her on her nose. (laughs) <laughs> like the furthest thing away, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
And so then that was it. Then he accepted her after that. Mm -hmm. But, and, and he loved nursing on me while she was nursing because he was getting that new colostrum, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. I guess when you do that, when you continue to nurse, you don't ever really lose your milk except Mm -hmm. for right at the birth, you know, Mm -hmm. those first three days when you have that colostrum, that I think is the only time that the milk really dwindles away okay. because the baby has to have the colostrum. Right. And so, right. so, so then your body and I, the same thing happened with my, my last one, your body just concentrates more on making the colostrum for that new baby. Hello everyone. If you're enjoying this podcast, you'd probably really enjoy our other more in-depth offerings. We have a comprehensive course for mamas called 13 Moons, Epic Education for the Birthing Year, and an Everything You Need to Know course for aspiring doulas who want to change the world called the Birth Warrior Project, 120-day doula training and transformation. And for the real birth nerds who want to become home birth midwives, we have the Indie Birth Midwifery School. And you can find out about all of these options and more at IndieBirth.org. That's IndieBirth.org. But, uh, yeah, that was her. And then my husband got a vasectomy. Hmm. Because we had our girl. Mm-hmm. We finally had our girl. Mm-hmm. So we were done. You were done. So he got a vasectomy. And about two months later, I was pregnant again. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that stuff happens. <laughs> so be, he though, flipped apparently. out. <laughs> yep. Yep. So he flipped out mm-hmm. and uh, he went back to the hospital or wherever he went to get the vasectomy to get it checked, you know, to, to find out what, you know, is this real or what? Mm-hmm. And they told him that he, that it, it was, it was, it had, it was, a it, the operation was successful and, and he, he, he was, you know, infertile or he was completely. So he left me. Mm. <laughs> Uh, as men would do, you know, I didn't blame him. I didn't blame him, but you know, I mean, that was his reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left me for a long while. He came back at the end, but mm-hmm. he left me for a long while, like practically through my whole pregnancy. Aww. And, uh, and I, 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 it didn't seem to bother me. You know, I just kind of understood because I know how men are and what they think and how they think. And uh, however he could have thought that I could get pregnant with another man, I don't know, because I mean, I was nursing all the time. I was, you know, as busy as I was all the time, there was no possibility, but that's what he thought. So off he went. And uh, that pregnancy was really rough on me because first of all, I didn't want it. And it was the first time in my life that I considered an abortion um, because I was, I was done. And I didn't think that my body could go through this again. 
in so short of a time. Um, so I was considering abortion, but my oldest son, who was 12, and uh, let's see, 10, 11, 12, yeah, and then my other son was eight by that time, mm-hmm. and he just flipped out. He told me no way. There was no way I could have an abortion that he would leave home and all, you know, horrible, horrible things that he threatened me with. <laughs> oh, no. So I and, and of course, you know, deep down in my heart, I was against abortions, but I went ahead and kept him and it was very hard. I, I gained a lot, a lot of weight. Um, I was nursing two. I was nursing my first, my boy and my girl, and always depleted. And everywhere I went, whether it was to teach or workshop or a birth or wherever I went, people would serve me food. Mm-hmm. They would just give me food all the time. <laughs> because I never, I never could get enough. I was mm-hmm. always eating. And, uh, I got a lot, I, I gained a lot, a lot of weight. And consequently, at the end of this pregnancy, I was way over 200 pounds. And I, I was, it had all kinds of issues, you know, heartburn, constipation, you know, I had it all. I had a varicose vein uh, on my leg, uh, you know, I, and all because I didn't, I just didn't care anymore. You know, I just ate and ate and ate and ate. I would eat ice cream for the heartburn. Mm. You know, I just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I paid for that too. <laughs> this one, I was going to a chiropractor fervently. That was good. I, w- I went every month. And then in the last month, I went every, uh, every week, I believe. Uh, so that, my sacrum and my back was okay, but it was really, really hard. I started with waters breaking and um, nothing, nothing happened. Okay. And uh, of course, all my apprentices and midwives and everybody was saying, well, can't you do something? You know, and I was right. back then. You, you didn't hear of those things, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you're supposed to go to the hospital when your waters break and all right. that after 24 hours. And, but of course, I'm the kind of person I would never even think of going to a hospital. Right. That wasn't even an issue. Uh-huh. So and I'm assuming I then just, your other births, um, you didn't have, you didn't have PROM. No. Done. Okay. No. I never went to a doctor. My first boy was with the OBGYN that actually trained me. Mm-hmm. And so he actually, you know, delivered uh, my first boy way back when I was 20, 22 years old. Um, but uh, he was, he was the only one that it was an OBGYN that, at home, of course, at home. Mm-hmm. And none of them were water birds too, by the way. Um, I'm a water birth advocate and I started uh, doing water births with my second child, um, but they never, I never managed to have any of them in water, although I tried, I really, really tried, but back then it was really hard because and you, you had to find a pool or, you know, and because I was so busy working, um, I just 
didn't manage. I wanted to with my last one. I really did, but I didn't manage. Mm-hmm. Um, so water broke and I went three and a half days before I had contractions. Oh, wow. And uh, everybody was just, you know, kind of hanging in there, you know, and mm-hmm. waiting on me. And uh, when I started, they were, you know, it was not the normal, you know, 10, 15 minutes apart. And then, you know, it gets narrower and narrower. It mm-hmm. wasn't like that at all. It was just just some and then it would stop and then a few hours later some would start and stop it was you know very uneventful is what we talk about Mm -hmm. (laughs) just Mm -hmm. nothing you know Mm -hmm. uh and so I went two days like that and then I guess I kicked into active labor nobody ever checked me or anything so I would just go you know, by what I felt with my body. And uh, in the end, I was kind of laying on my side and I was nursing my my little girl because, of course, I was nursing both of them, too, while I was in labor because it lasted for days. So, you know, they needed a nurse. And um, in the end, I was laying down and all of a sudden there was a lot of people there and all of a sudden I just said get away everybody get out I'm getting up Mm -hmm. and I stood up and my my second son who was now 10 years old he had just turned 10 um he was there and my midwife was there and uh I stood up and my baby just fell out Oh, wow. Just literally dropped out of me. I didn't even feel it. And my midwife, who was squatting in front of me, attempted to catch it, but she missed him. And my 10-year-old caught him. Oh, wow. He he shot on the floor and he caught him. And that's that's my second son who lives in California. And he's he's attended many births. Mm -hmm. He's very, very an empathetic person for a man and he's very, he's a healer and he's an amazing person. Mm. But anyway, that was his first. Mm-hmm. And to the point where instead of saying, Oh, it's a boy. Cause of course we were awake. We were hoping it was another girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he said, as he caught him, it's a male. And mm-hmm. we all just laughed because mm-hmm. it was like he was, in the role of a doctor, you know, there was no re- there was no reason for him to say male. Male, he's ten right. years old. Right, but that's what came out of him. I'll never forget it. So that was hilarious, and then we all just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I fell down uh, on the floor, literally fell. People had to catch me. And what happened was I broke. All the cartilages in my sacrum tore. Oh, wow. And therefore, because I was so out of shape, mm-hmm. I was way overweight and so out of shape. And because of the way he came out, he came out, he literally fell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to call my chiropractor because my chiropractor had had 
his kids at home. He was a home birth advocate, but he couldn't come to, oh yeah, I forgot the, I forgot a, a thing here. He couldn't come to my house for the birth. And so I had gone to him while I was in labor that last day there. Mm-hmm. I had gone to him and I had told him, what if I have the baby in your office? And he said, well, that'll be all right, but I just can't come to your home mm-hmm. because of insurance and all that stuff. So I had gone to him and he had adjusted me uh, while I was in that third day labor. And then I went home and, and the baby was born an hour later. Mm. So that's what I needed. Something was holding up there with my sacrum or my pelvis or something. And he had adjusted me and that's opened it up for him to literally fall out. I mean, really, that's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened with that was he came to my home and I had to, for one week, seven days, I had to lay on my back on a chair Uh with my legs up and over the chair like I'm sitting down but on the floor mm-hmm. like that for seven days I couldn't get up to pee or anything I had to have somebody lift me up very carefully and put a bedpan under me um, and I had to stay like that to heal my sacrum and uh, that meant that my newborn baby could only nurse with me laying down and so my little girl, who was 14 months, she would help him. She would scoot him up there and help him and put the nipple in his mouth. And because, of course, she was nursing, too. And so uh, that's the way I, that first week went. That was very hard. Yeah. I had to eat like that. I could only eat with a straw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I think I was just semi-conscious that whole week. You know, I didn't have fever like I had with my with my third son. But anyway, we lived through that. <laughs> and uh, and of course, he that was another thing, too. By that time, my husband had come back. So he was there at the birth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing that my two oldest boys said when they saw him was he was the miniature of him. He looked exactly like him. Mm-hmm. And, and I felt like, okay, this is Yahweh's will, you know, mm-hmm. that to prove to him that it was his, mm-hmm. he, he looked exactly like him. Mm-hmm. And that was just beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was the third one. And he was eight pounds, four ounces. It took me a long time to recover from him, too. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of people come to come over and help me and bring me food and, you know, just give me massages. And like I said, I was pretty well known back then. So a lot of people, I was in the newspaper and and (laughs) it was quite an event. So I had stopped nursing my, my son um, when I was, uh, let's see, I think I was about five months along with this last one. And I had told him by that time he had just turned two. Yeah, that's right. He had just turned two. And, uh,
enough milk for you and your sister, and now I'm making a new baby. And so I had explained it to him, and he had just stopped, and I gave him goat's milk mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in place of. And, and he was fine. He never, he never, it never bothered him. He just understood. Mm-hmm. But my, my little girl, she didn't stop nursing until she was four. Mm-hmm. So, and she was my only girl. So mm-hmm. partly, part of that was me. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want to let go either. Mm-hmm. But uh, she nursed till she was four. And then my last one, he nursed till he was, he quit a little bit after she did. He was three something. Mm-hmm. So I had nursed, Hannah nursed them another two years and then, uh, or three years. And altogether, it was five years that I Tannum nursed mm-hmm. and, uh, and never had a period. Wow. So that was that. That was that. And I, <laughs> I believe that was, oh, and I named him, I, I, I didn't want to say their names because for whatever purpose, but yeah. my last one, I did, I named, he was the only one that I actually looked in the little name book because I believe in naming your children after they're born, when you've gotten to know them and see them and feel them. And uh, with him, like I had felt in my pregnancy, I was done. I just, I couldn't do anything. And so I looked in a book for his name and I found Liam, which is uh, uh, short for William or a nickname for William and an Irish name. And it means uh, determined. Mm. That's beautiful. And so it just hit home because I really felt that he came totally on his own, that certainly none of us had anything to do with him coming. So determined was perfect. (laughs) Absolutely. That is very perfect. And I love that name too. And I've never, I've never known its uh, etymology and meaning. So thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how true those books are, but (laughs) you know, sometimes it just clicks at the right time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that is the story of my three, my last three. Mm. And, uh, we were all pretty happy, and my boys, who were 10 and 13 at that time, they helped me a lot with them, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, they had to, because yeah. I was always <laughs> busy, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I always brought, whenever I went to a birth, I brought all my kids, Okay. until they got old enough to not want to come anymore, mm-hmm. my oldest one he was done by the time he was 13, 14, he had a newspaper route, you know, and he was living his life. He didn't want to do any more births, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I always, everybody whose birth I went to, I always told them, you know, I bring all my kids and they were all very used to, uh, watching babies 
common and and uh, always in water. I always did water after that. So mm-hmm. uh, and it's quite beautiful in water. Wow. You know, it's not you don't see blood and you don't you know. Mm-hmm. So children are more open to that. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's so it's beautiful too. Um, just you know, bringing your kids to experience that, um, you know, to just see life just as it is and unfold and just, you know, just that, that's really amazing. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's the story of their birth. Uh, I don't know what else. That was, um, if you, if you, um, we can, we can end it there if you feel complete with that. Um, and usually I like to, well, first of all, I wanted to say thank you so much. Um, um, I just on a personal note, um, I am an indie birth or I just completed the indie birth midwifery school and just watching your lectures on um, breach and twins, I I just I so appreciate the wisdom that you shared. Um, and I just again, oh you you saw my videos. I on, did on the, on the midwife classes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know that they're actually using them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yes, yeah. I I gained so much so much so much wisdom from them you really know. yeah absolutely oh, that really I appreciate just, that. Uh, thank you yeah and you know i mean there you know there were a lot of other you know that's those are both such complex topics and you know there's a lot of there can be a lot of tech technical stuff with it but i just appreciated just the the wisdom that you shared the simple wisdom of it right i i don't go too much into technicality yeah and i (laughs) and i appreciate that because i feel like that that's a really important thing for for future midwives to remember such as myself is that it can be so simple it doesn't have yes it's complicated when it's complicated but it's simple when it's simple so (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) And, and it's also important not to bring that energy with you you know, exactly. I always, um, my apprentices, um, if they, I always told them if at any time during a delivery, you feel fear in any way, mm-hmm. please step out of the room. Yes. Because yes. you don't want to bring any of that energy that, that woman who is in labor will pick it up and the baby will pick it up if it's, yes. you know, after the baby's born. Absolutely. But you you really there's no room for fear it has to be total open to the process to the energy and to positive be positive when something happens find a solution and and in a positive way Mm -hmm. yes absolutely and that's the way i've always done i've seen many complications oh my goodness you can't mm-hmm. imagine i've probably sure. seen you know a good deal of and uh you know I, i've always handled it i've always handled it very few i can say i've only taken uh women to hospitals maybe three times out of over two thousand births uh, 
you know, and that was partly because, and I, I'm a fervent believer that the man, the partner, whoever it is, I've done lesbian partnerships too, mm-hmm. <laughs> whoever it is, the, the partner has to be all there, mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. to be all positive and all supportive for that woman. Yes. And those three that I ended up taking in, it was because he wasn't, mm-hmm. the partner was not there for her. And so she lost it. She lost the strength. She lost the confidence. And, you know, there's nothing else we can do. Mm-hmm. So I, and I teach uh, a course for men, which I was, I founded when, when I was in Europe. Mm-hmm. It just came to me. Uh, you could say as a, as a spiritual thing, it came through me and I wrote it down. And it's a four class four classes uh, course for men for water birth. And it teaches men how to be completely confident and how to assist any complications or anything that might come up and how to uh, catch and and, uh, accept their baby coming. And uh, it's called a course for men. And I... I love to give that to men because they, not all, not all men are open to it. Yes. But mm-hmm. the ones that are, oh, they love it mm-hmm. because it, they, it makes them feel like they're a part of it. Mm-hmm. And what I always tell them is you help put that baby in there. And so that baby needs you to help him come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. I always know, I always know when I tell the man that, I can always tell by his look or his reaction whether he's going to get it or not. Mm-hmm. And you, you, most of the time they do. You know, they love it. Mm-hmm. They love it. Mm-hmm. I always tell them it's just like making love. Yes. <laughs> Having a baby is just like making love. Mm-hmm. The same energy. Same, it's that yes. same energy. Same you just got to keep that there. Mm-hmm. Keep that there, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of men just love it. Mm-hmm. Some few, they'll say no because they can't handle it or they're too busy with their work lives or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. But, um, but most, most of the time, they love it. Oh, that's great. So, mm-hmm. so there you go. Thank you. Well, Francoise, thank you so much. Um, and is there any last little bit of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with? I have thought that through. And like I always tell all my midwives or midwives to be <laughs> is just learn to be patient and wait for the baby. Mm-hmm. Really? That's yeah. bottom line. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. I've seen births for five days, uh, whatever, whatever it takes, as long as you're keeping up with heart tones and the mother's stamina and, you know, as long as they're both doing well. Yes. Patience is something. Don't interfere. Patience don't is something. Interfere. Yes, don't interfere. Patience is something and that you, we could all use. <laughs> That's for sure. And it only comes with experience. Mm-hmm. Really, you can't you can't learn that through, you know, through books. 
no. and, and, and studying. It comes with experience. Let things happen. Like when the baby's going to breathe. Water babies take longer to breathe. Mm-hmm. And there's no... I have videos of births that I've done where babies take a long time to breathe. And it's beating. They will cough. They will cough the water out. You don't need to syringe the water out. They will cough it out, and then they will start breathing eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Yes. Just don't interfere. Have faith. Have respect for the baby to be able to leave him alone to breathe on his own. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's it. Yeah, that's my message. Thank you so much. Yes, this has been so beautiful to he- to hear your birth stories too, especially as I had mentioned, just being so inspired by you know the wisdom that you shared in this in the school. So thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this conversation. Okay, well, I love indie births and I love Marin and Margot, and uh, I've been with them for several years, and I just think that they have moved the world in childbirth, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm right behind them. So I appreciate being on here today. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.